On today's show, the sense of urgency that is amplified by every loss in the NFL. Before we get to that, I want to give you one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Thursday night, we have a garbage football game to end all garbage football games. The Washington football team starting their backup quarterback hosting the New York Giants. Now, I'll be honest with you. There are very few things that beat a garbage Thursday night football game for somebody like me. I would actually argue that nothing does, even a good game, because you settle down. It's a game by itself. It does not get more garbage than watching Daniel Jones play football. A man who has 40 turnovers through 28 games, second fastest pace in the history of the NFL behind Mark Bolger. The combination of him and Jason Garrett calling plays for that Giants offense, it might be the most unwatchable combination in football. So yeah, Washington's going to be starting their backup quarterback in this game, Taylor Heineke. Is he Daniel Jones? No. So we have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere, because everybody who settles down on Thursday night deserves to get paid for watching Daniel Jones play football in an island game with Jason Garrett on the play sheet. And now, Sports with Chris Rawl. NFL Week 1 is officially in the books after last night's Ravens-Raiders Monday night game that I still am reeling from. I don't know what happened. It felt like at multiple points in the game, I'd blacked out and been dropped into a game that nobody knew how to play football. I felt a little bit like Nostradamus for having recorded a show yesterday all about the ways that bizarre coaching can impact a football game and then watched Harbaugh and especially John Gruden just essentially get in two clown cars and drive into one another over and over while the horns are honking and the noses are getting honked. It was strange. It was scintillating. It was all the things that I like about football. It was all the things that are incredibly frustrating about football when you've bet the Ravens minus four. However, the season or the week one of the NFL season is in the books. Okay. So it's time to reflect a little bit in certain areas. Yesterday, all about coaching. Uh, Again, I would encourage if you have not listened to that to go back and listen to it. Then watch last night's Monday Night Football game and just contemplate about how things can go so awry in life. Today, we're going to talk about panic uh, and specifically the correct time to panic within an NFL season. Football is great for a wide variety of reasons. One of those reasons is that the season is short. Um, And because of that, every game seems and to a certain extent is meaningful. Really stark contrast to other sports. NBA, NHL, 82-game season, who cares? Major League Baseball, 162-game season, who cares? Uh, The NFL was 16 games, now 17 games. And the collegiate game, 12 or so, depending upon your regular season. The main point is, within this sport... There are relatively few games compared to other sports. So there is a certain sense of urgency that is really amplified by every single loss. That feeling that time is running out on the season. Even when the loss occurs in week one, you already start to feel the hair on the back of your neck stand up and go, okay, it's fine, it's week one, but we only have 17 games. So sorting through the correct time to kind of utilize this sense of urgency is key to your football season. 
when is put up or shut up time, when is throw the kitchen sink game time, when is pick your cliche of choice time as far as our backs are against the wall and we feel really compelled to bring everything that we have in our arsenal to this specific game. Um, does that sense of urgency kick in after a week one loss or a loss at the end of September or October or November? Go down the list. It's kind of different depending upon the fan or the fan base or the team itself. Uh, it's important to remember that the point of an NFL season is to be rounding into your best form come playoff time. It's not to hammer dunk on teams at the start of the season and pound your chest and then slowly fizzle out as the season wears on. Um does anybody remember the Pittsburgh Steelers going 11-0 to start last year? No, not really, because they end up losing four of their last five games, including their only playoff game at home against the Cleveland Browns when they're completely dump-trucked. They had the opposite trajectory of ideally what you want in an NFL season. The early season stuff, yeah, ideally you're winning, but that's a time to sort out yourself. Understand your flaws, try to mitigate them solidify your identity, a lot of the stuff that I was talking about on yesterday's show. And then as the season progresses, that's when you want to start rounding into form by season's end. If you're peaking going to the playoffs, well, then you're probably feeling pretty good about life. So we have one week in the books. And there's already a certain amount of panic that is threaded into week one losses. Again, remember, the season is short. So while it's not justified uh, on a large scale, there's still a certain amount of panic that's threaded into it and also a certain amount of information that you can glean about your favorite team or if you're the team itself, just about yourself when you're trying to improve and reach that ultimate destination of peaking going into the playoffs. Um, so while panic is not necessarily justified on a 10 out of 10 scale, there are times in retrospect that a week one loss can really reveal some fatal flaws to a team that are manifested as the season goes on or into the playoffs. So with week one now being done, there are some really good football teams, teams in that small circle of perceived Super Bowl contenders that are 0-1. I'll start with the Green Bay Packers, who got just smashed by the New Orleans Saints. 38-3 final score. Now, on the one hand... I'm not alarmed at all. You know, take your hand off the panic button because Green Bay under LaFleur has laid multiple eggs per year. In 2019, they go on the road against the Chargers. Earlier in the season, just get smashed by a Chargers team that's really not good at all. They go in the regular season on the road to San Francisco, Sunday night football, and they get smashed. And they play that same San Francisco team again in the NFC title game and get smashed. Now, that first San Francisco game is interesting to make note of because while you're not slamming the panic button at the time, there are flaws that are definitely revealed in that game, specifically in how Green Bay defends the rush and how Kyle Scanahan can really scheme that aspect of their offense against that Green Bay team that existed in that Sunday night game and really, really, really existed come NFC title game. 2020, same same theme of randomly just showing up and not playing a football game. Uh, in the regular season, they go on the road against Tampa and get just dunked on. They have a home game against a Minnesota Vikings team that is not particularly good. 
And much like the Niners games of the prior year, they forget how to defend the run. Dalvin Cook's running all over them. It seems like Minnesota's possessing the ball for eight minutes at a time. And Green Bay ends up on the losing side of that game. So this year is a little bit more new, a little bit more unique because this egg happened in week one. And as I'm trying to sort through my feelings on the matter, I can't tell if that's a good sign or a bad sign. That's something that we'll probably only understand in retrospect. Is this a sign of things to come? Or is it Green Bay laying one of their customary eggs and, and you just don't really worry about it? Um, is it just, okay, we got that out of the way. Uh, let's start building towards peaking by the end of the season in a way that is in your best interest to do as an NFL team. So again, because there are so few games, there are always very important takeaways from each loss. Even if there's not if there's not necessarily a need or a desire to panic in the moment because it's week one, there are always very important takeaways. So me watching it and understanding the past history of these Packers teams under Lafleur, there's some alarm bells that are starting to get rung even though it's week one. Number one, it's that I watch a Green Bay Packers team still unable to stop the run. A fatal flaw that reared its head in 2018, ended Green Bay, or 2019, ended Green Bay season. The NFC title game against San Francisco, it was just a complete debacle. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have to pass 10 times and San Francisco won going away. Now, week one, they're in Jacksonville. It's essentially a neutral site game. Uh, the Saints have to move away from New Orleans because of the hurricane. They run for 171 yards against Green Bay. Similar theme to that 2019 fatal flaw. They completely control the line of scrimmage. They're just blowing Green Bay off the line again and again and again. Alvin Kamara's running for yards. Tony Jones Jr., their backup, he's running for yards. Sean Payton, who is just a master play caller and schemer, he looks at Green Bay and says, all right, what's the best way that we think we can stop that explosive offense on their sideline? Well, it's to do what Kyle Shanahan did in 2019. It's possess the ball and smash it down their throats. So there's only three possessions per team in the first half. New Orleans, on those three possessions, they score 17 points. Takes 39 total plays. They possess the ball for 22 minutes of a possible 30 minutes in that first half. Seems like Green Bay is not on the field whatsoever during that entire first half. Uh, and again, as I'm watching this, I'm not panicking, but I'm going, hmm, we fired Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator, because he has not been good and the defense has not been good at any point. And now I'm watching Joe Barry, the new defensive coordinator, and I'm watching the Green Bay defense do the same thing that they have done the past few years. That I don't love. So that's number one when it comes to takeaways that you really have to Look at and understand when you're trying to mitigate the flaw of your team and peak by season's end. Number two, it is also a very familiar issue with this football team. It's that number two corner is still a problem. It seems like I'm watching a, a game on repeat when it comes to Kevin King playing that number two cornerback spot for Green Bay. Jair Alexander, he's turned into a true superstar in that first cornerback slot. Feel comfortable with him no matter the matchup. Number two cornerback? No, that seems to be the place that opponents are always picking and feasting upon. 
Because it seems like every game I watch, Kevin King gives up at least one, if not multiple, long bombs where he's 10 yards behind the guy he's supposed to be covering. And he's looking around at a safety or linebacker and trying to understand, was that my responsibility? What was going on there? We see it again on Sunday, the large completion to Traquan Smith when he just gets behind him by 10 yards and he's running into the end zone. It is a very similar theme. And indeed, when it comes to fatal flaws, it was the fatal flaw of the 2020 team. If you remember the NFC title game against Tampa Bay, which ended Green Bay's season, um, probably the largest contributing factor to that loss was Kevin King. Every single downfield passing play by Tampa Bay that had success, he was involved with, including the true backbreaker at the end of the first half when Tampa Bay was trying to get into field goal range and there's really no time on the clock to do anything besides that. And Kevin King just stands there as Scotty Miller runs by him and Tom Brady throws a long bomb downfield and completes a 45-yard touchdown as time is expiring in the half. Um, It's a very similar theme to how Green Bay season ended last year, and it's prevalent within their week one loss to New Orleans. 38-3, total smashing. So I don't think it's time to start smashing the panic button. It is week one. There's a lot of season left. Yeah, not a lot of games, but still there are 16 more within this NFL season. However, if you're looking at yourself as a perceived Super Bowl contender, it is alarming to see the two fatal flaws of past Green Bay seasons still existing in this week one of 2021. That I don't love. It seems like they're still going to be there and you just have to dance around it and hope, all right, uh, maybe we can just make things happen on other parts of our roster. And in that way, we can win and cover up this flaw, but we know that it will be there at all times. We know that the opposition is always going to have watched film and always going to understand hmm, there are two really, really, really effective ways to attack this specific defense. One, run the ball right at them. And number two, if we want to pass, go at Kevin King. These things still exist in present day. So what has gained the most steam nationally when it comes to talking points it concerns the offensive side of the ball because that's where the true star power lies that's what green bay is most known for and that's where just people want to talk about in general it's offense it's quarterback it's aaron Rodgers, it's all that stuff um it it's it also follows this tumultuous offseason where rogers and the packers front office were at the forefront of the news nonstop. and so it is interesting that green bay's offense comes out and lays a complete egg scores three points, and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to this theme of panic, however, this is one of those areas that I just move on and don't even think twice about. No cause for alarm. Offense lays a stink bomb. All right, I'm not going to spend any time thinking about it because of the track record of this team and the players involved. Was it one of the worst games of Rodgers' career? Yes. Less than 150 yards passing, two picks, no touchdowns. Did he throw two of the most inexplicable interceptions you'll ever see from Aaron Rodgers? Yes. It happens, move on, doesn't matter. That's my feeling on the subject. Aaron Jones, five carries for nine yards. Devontae Adams, pretty much blanketed throughout the entire game. Cause for panic, cause for alarm. I don't really feel that way. Um, If it continues to be a theme in the following weeks against Detroit on Monday night or down the road against San Fran or Pittsburgh, who I think are the next two teams on their schedule, um, is it time for the alarm bells to start being sounded at that point? Yeah, absolutely. However, 
when you have a track record of being very effective at doing certain things, sometimes you just lay an egg. That's the way of the world in the NFL. So when we start to broaden this out, uh, as we talk about panic and, and the way that a team can lose and just specific losses within the NFL, it's also important to contextualize and understand the sport itself. And because every team is bunched into the middle in a way that doesn't exist in baseball or basketball where there's large discrepancies between the best team and the worst team or even the fifth best team and the 25th best team. The NFL is jam-packed into the middle. And so on any given day, you can see some very bizarre results. That's what makes the NFL such a phenomenal viewing sport. Now, when you understand that, it also makes sense that sometimes a team is going to just lay an egg. And sometimes that team is going to be a good team. And rather than ringing the alarm bells and screaming, oh, no, the season's over. This is going to be a disaster. You understand "Mm, this happens every single year. So let's pump the brakes on the panic. I'm going to read something from Bill Huber of SI when it comes to this point. In week nine of last season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost at home to the Saints by, remarkably enough, a score of 38 to three. In week 10 of the 2018 season, the New England Patriots lost 34-10 at the Tennessee Titans. The Buccaneers and Patriots overcame those humbling defeats to win the Super Bowl. A total of 21 teams reached the Super Bowl after losing by 27-plus points, including 10 teams that lost a game by 30, end quote. So when it comes to panic, this is a very important thing to remember, even In the NFL, good teams get blasted, okay? It just happens. It's a fact of life within this sport where the talent bunches everybody close to the median. I still vividly remember in the 2014 season, Monday Night Football, New England Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs. It's week four of that season, very early on. Chiefs just smashed them, 41-14. Tom Brady throws for 159 yards and two picks. The Patriots fall to two and two on the season. And I vividly remember everything that went into that game and especially the talking points coming out of that game, which was panic 15 out of 10. Is this team done? Is Brady done? Oh my gosh, this dynasty is finally ending. This long reign of terror by the Patriots and Bill Belichick. It's finally over. We're going to get new blood in here and there's going to be a new king at the top of this mountain. That was... Every fan, that was every talking head, that was the discourse surrounding this particular game. Sadly, that is not how things played out. Because in the NFL, even good teams get blasted. Um, The Patriots go on to win the Super Bowl that season. And a few more for good measure over the course of the next few years. Including in 2018 when they get smashed by the Tennessee Titans in week 10 of that year. Um, It's important to understand this simple fact. Everybody gets blasted sooner or later, including good teams in this sport. So when we come back to week one of this season and try to understand, is now the correct time to panic or what should be going on? There's a lot of important things to take away from every loss. However, when you understand that you're inevitably going to lose and sometimes by a lot, it's a lot easier to avoid the panic that comes with one individual loss. 
even if you are within this small circle of perceived Super Bowl contenders that went down on Sunday, like the Green Bay Packers. Was that loss hideous and atrocious and everything bad? Yes. Is it one loss? Yes. Is it by the exact same margin that last year's team that won the Super Bowl lost to the exact same team, New Orleans Saints? Yes. So within this small circle of perceived Super Bowl contenders, there are other teams that go down. Buffalo Bills, that's one of them. They lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers 23-16 on Sunday as six and a half point favorites. It was a very strange game um, that saw Buffalo struggle mightily on offense. A lot of credit goes to Pittsburgh's defense, which might be the very best in the league. And some of it was just a genuinely discombobulated effort from Josh Allen in that offense, one of the most explosive offenses in the league last year. In this game, it takes Allen 51 passes to get to 270 yards passing. 5.3 yards per attempt, not great, Bob. Um, Pittsburgh made a concerted effort to not blitz. I think they only blitzed on two dropbacks that Allen had in that game out of 51 passes. And they just said, we're going to take away any of these explosive plays that you made a name last year on. And you're going to have to continually throw short, 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 short. And that's how the game played out. And... Because the Steelers suck them down into the mud, then something funky decides the game. In this case, the winning margin is assured by a Steelers blocked punt in return for a touchdown. So on the Pittsburgh side of the ball, their offense, it looked as anemic as it was last year. Not a lot of improvement there, it would seem. At the same time, their defense looked as terrifying as it looked at its peak last year. So they're probably feeling relatively good about themselves. On the Buffalo side one of the teams that had the best Super Bowl odds coming into this season. Is it panic time? No. I I just think it's one of those funky football games. And also, when it comes to trusting the track record of players and coaches involved, I would say Sean McDermott is one of the coaches that I trust almost more than anybody in the NFL. When it comes to gambling, when it comes to winning football games, he's installed a very clear identity for this Buffalo Bills team. Remember last or yesterday's show. He's also really established, hey, what we are going to hang our hat on is the combination of Brian Dayball calling plays and Josh Allen under center. That will be the focal point of this team. Did they have a rough day yesterday against maybe the best defense in football? Yes. The time to panic? No. What are we going to do uh, because of this? Well, you learn from the loss, you trust it's an aberration, and you move on. That's how this kind of stuff works, especially early in the season. Another team within that small circle, Cleveland Browns. They lose to the Kansas City Chiefs 33-29 to as six or five-point underdogs, depending where you got them. They cover, they lose the game, however. They're in perfect position to win. Uh, that was probably the game of the day on Sunday, in my opinion. Really well-played game for the most part. A lot of high-level stuff going on the offensive side of the ball for both teams. Cleveland ends up kind of being doomed by the perfection of Patrick Mahomes, which I will be talking about in great detail on tomorrow's show, and three second-half turnovers from themselves. Nick Chubb fumble when they're holding a lead, look like they're going in to push it back out to a two-score margin. Just a total gaffe by their punter who forgets how to catch the ball and then runs around like a chicken with his head cut off, and then a Baker Mayfield interception on the final drive of the game when they're pushing to try to take the lead. Now, if I'm Cleveland, 
and I'm trying to make sense of this particular loss. What can I learn from it? What can I glean from it and then move on from? I couldn't be more pleased with everything that went into this game except for the loss itself. The punter thing, that's weird. The chub fumble thing, okay, fine. Sometimes it happens. As long as it's not a reoccurring theme, you just don't even think about it. You just say football's weird sometimes and that's what happens. The process for Cleveland in the game was incredibly sound. Um, I talked in great detail yesterday about how much I loved, loved, loved the aggressive play calling of Kevin Stefanski and kind of the mindset that he has instilled within that team. We are going to be aggressive and we are playing to win every single game rather than sit on the ball and hope that we don't lose. So Baker Mayfield under center, he is actually awesome in that game despite that game-clinching interception. Mistake on his part? Yes. Does it negate a lot of the stuff that he did during that game? An incredible amount of high-level throws that he made? No. There's a lot of things to build upon for this Cleveland Browns team that is trying to look at the Kansas City Chiefs as their equal. Kansas City Chiefs, they rule the AFC until proven otherwise, so you have to measure yourself against them. Cleveland presents a lot of very specific matchup problems when it comes to playing against Kansas City. We've seen that for multiple years now. So if you're Cleveland and you're coming out, you say, we don't love that we lost the game. That sucks. We're definitely not going to panic. And if anything, I actually think it's time to get more height on this Cleveland Browns team as a Super Bowl contender. Remember, they were missing Odell Beckham Jr. in this game, who if he can come back and be anything close to the downfield threat that he was with the Giants over the first three seasons of his career, it's a true game changer for a team that I already think is a Super Bowl contender. Anthony Schwartz, he's making plays downfield off play action yesterday in that Odell Beckham role. If we get the Odell Beckham doing that, the ceiling on this team gets even higher. So those are three of the teams right at the top of the NFL. Yes, they're all 0-1. Now's not the time to panic. I think as the season sorts itself out, we will fill by season's end. These are three of the better teams in football. I feel confident saying that right now in present day. Might be wrong. Again, NFL, it's a funky sport and things can go south quickly. In present day, we're not pushing the panic button on any of these teams. We're just gleaning things from their losses and understanding what is flawed about these teams and what is an aberration when it comes to this individual performance. However, when you start to broaden it out again and look across the league and who lost in week one, or sometimes even who won in week one, and what can be gleaned from these games and whether or not now is the correct time to panic, there are certain teams that I would look at and say, yeah, I think now is unfortunately the correct time to panic. Um, I, I'm a very sick individual in many ways. When it comes specifically to football, it means I watch strange games in their entirety. I watched all of the New York Jets and the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. It was not a well-played football game. I was intrigued to watch Zach Wilson. He flashed in certain ways. Um, the Jets end up losing and my main takeaway from that game, especially after Makai Becton, their only good offensive lineman goes down with a dislocated kneecap, is I would be smashing the panic button when it comes to this offensive line because they were truly an abomination in week one against what I think will be a pretty good Carolina defensive front. Anytime the Jets drop back to pass, it was tee off and come and smash Zach Wilson. 
Uh, there were multiple times when I thought, uh, I think that that's going to be an injury and he's not going to be able to finish this game. To his credit, very resilient and tough performance on his part and made a lot of great throws in that second half in the face of this continual onslaught by Carolina's defensive front. However, I was getting very, very, very uneasy echoes of last year's Cincinnati Bengals team, which drafted Joe Burrow number one overall and put him behind a offensive line that was amongst the worst in football and said, make some magic and hopefully this goes well. And to Joe Burrow's credit, he was incredibly tough and resilient and has a lot of talent and made a lot of magic in his early season starts before his season was ended with injury. I hope that is not the case. I also don't love the idea of Zach Wilson trying to, A, learn how to play quarterback in this league, period. Uh, Kind of this baptism by fire stuff. But B, also, while playing quarterback behind this just abomination of an offensive line. Panic time? I would say it's fair to feel that if you are the New York Jets and you promised everybody that this year's offensive line would be different from last year's, And now your only good offensive lineman is out and it doesn't look any different from what Sam Darnold was running for his life for every single week last season. Another team that I feel pretty comfortable mashing the panic button on is the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team that drafted number one overall right in front of the New York Jets, which if you followed the offseason storylines of Urban Meyer, it seemed like it was kind of a disaster waiting to happen. And then week one came along and they were somehow favored by three points or three and a half by the start of the game against the Houston Texans, a team that I think most people believed would be the worst in football as long as Deshaun Watson doesn't play this year. And that Houston Texan team just smashes Jackson, punches them right in the mouth, dominates the entire game from start to finish, wins going away. And it looks like we are going to be in for a very, 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 very long season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, The disaster that was waiting to happen is already playing out and we're only through one week of football. A lot of speculation on Urban Meyer and how long he's going to last in the season. A lot of speculation that he might just bounce because he realizes this ain't working and go and take the USC job that's now open after Clay Hilton's firing. The main point is, I don't think there's anything to be gleaned from this Jacksonville season except don't get Trevor Lawrence killed and try not to instill a bunch of bad habits that sometimes can be developed by a quarterback learning on the job on a truly atrocious team. One other team that I'll go over when it comes to this bottom end of the NFL, and a team that I mentioned at the top of the show in the gambling segment, New York football giants, which... I truly can't for the life of me understand how this team has watched Daniel Jones play quarterback and Jason Garrett coach offensive football and thought we need one more year of this combination before we can truly make up our minds whether or not this is an effective quarterback and offensive coordinator union that can not even win football games, but just maybe keep a league average offense afloat. I truly don't understand how people have watched this team in the past and need another year of these two together to understand it. I mentioned how sick of an individual I am. I also watched all of the Giants and the Broncos game. It's making me want to cry right now. I'm getting emotional thinking about it because it was truly a scarring experience. 
watching this Giants offense again. Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett together again. Just trip over their own feet and get inside the clown car and ram it into a brick wall over and over and over. It was so bad. Again, I mentioned the gambling segment. Daniel Jones, 40 turnovers in his first 28 games, second fastest in NFL history. It seems like even more than that when you watch him play. Because anytime the game is in doubt, there is a crippling turnover. Interception, fumble, doesn't matter. He finds a way. During the course of the game, Jason Garrett is just calling plays like it's 1920. Run into the line, run into the line, throw an out on third, punt. Who cares? Doesn't matter. We're playing with house money. We should have been fired years and years ago. We're still here. It's truly an astounding thing to watch. I refuse to believe that this is happening again, and yet I watched it in week one. And because I'm a sick and twisted individual, I'll be watching it and probably relishing it again on Thursday night. Does it feel pretty simple to say that the Giants on offense can just push the panic button right now? Yes, I would actually argue they should put push the nuclear button right now and just detonate their season and say, let's just strip this down to the suds on offense. We actually have some stuff to work with on defense. I think Joe Judge, their head coach, is kind of good. Offensively, just get rid of everything. Get, just burn it to the ground and start from scratch and let's go from there. Panic after week one? Yes, let's just lean into it. Doesn't matter. Let's build for the future. That's what a team like this should be feeling. That's what a team like the Jets and the Jaguars should also be feeling. Don't get our quarterback killed. Build for the future. Try not to instill atrocious habits in these young play callers or young signal callers. So these are teams on extreme ends of the spectrum. The Bills, the Packers, the Browns don't really feel like I need to talk about panic for any of those teams at all. Jets, Jaguars, Giants. Yeah, I feel comfortable saying just panic right now. Go for it. Do it. For the vast majority of teams, uh, they should skew towards that Packers, Bills, Brown side. Not that they're that good, but for the vast majority of teams, early season losses, you glean what you can from them, you move on, and you understand, let's try to play better football moving forward, make the playoffs peak, all that kind of stuff. They deserve the Aaron Rodgers treatment from that 2014 season when the Packers started 1-2, and two, and he said... R-E-L-A-X, relax. It's three games. We can find our best football. We have a track record. And indeed, that Green Bay team found its best football. Aaron Rodgers went on to win MVP. They were an onside kick away from the Super Bowl that year. That's how the majority of teams should be treating a week one loss or a week one win if it was ugly. Take what we can from it. Move on. Uh, And then for all of those teams... When you fast forward to the end of the season, and if you're down in a game in the wild card round, or the divisional round, or the conference title game, or the Super Bowl, well, and for all of those teams, that will definitely be the appropriate time to panic. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at CEO.com.